0: NBA Hybrid Podcast brought to you by jaylen Utzi, Michael Kimball, and Kyle Stein. We're in- week two of the 2020-2021 NBA season and despite the season's freshness a great deal has already happened. There's no end in sight to the James Harden saga, a saga which has included the Rockets first game of the season being postponed followed by a ridiculous 44.17 assist night for Harden in a tough overtime loss to the Portland Trail Blazers. We've seen some early season struggles for Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors and we've seen Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irvin look like the uber-skilled almost unstoppable basketball savants they've always been and that's where I want to start. The Brooklyn Nets are the best team to ever play basketball right? Please discuss. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely the best team to ever play basketball and honestly the most joy I've had so far in this NBA season of watching is the very first minutes of that very first Nets game and just seeing KD out there hooping just like he was on a playground somewhere. It looked so easy, so natural, like he had never been hurt. It was beautiful to see.
2: Yeah, Jaylen, I mean, yeah. Jaylen, do you really think that they're better than your favorite Warriors teams?
0: No, no, I don't. I, that, that was hyperbole. That was introduction <laughs> hyperbole. But, um, I think I mean, the my, I think it, they they tone of my question. Are. I'm
1: going to keep the line. They yeah. are better than that Warriors team, and they will be better. You guys will see, even without Dinwiddie.
2: I think the tone of my question said where I was coming from, which is that <laughs> yeah, even, even as it. much <laughs> as I didn't really like those Warriors teams, I will say that they are definitely better than this Nets team so far. And um, but you know, really interesting game um, last night where you know the the Nets end up not being able to pull it out, but they have both uh, KD and Kyrie sitting, um, and they they still um, you know just they, they just have a really quality team. Um, I mean, you know, one really of the deep reasons i
1: loved is exactly that, Kyle. Like, this is one of the reasons I've loved this team is they've always been a little deep even when they were bad uh, and they've always had guys coming off the bench who are hungry and just really want to play. And we see that you know, with some of these units, we see Karis Levert running the second unit. Like he looks fantastic. Jared Allen, who everybody wants to write off as Deandre Jordan's backup, even though Jared Allen is clearly better. You know, he's still getting like Jared Allen is not only better than Jordan, he's still getting better. There are other guys on this team that we're watching improve, even over the course of this very short season. so, I mean, it's uh, worth
2: it's worth noting in that game a little bit that you know John Morant goes out um, sure. with an ankle injury, and you know we heard and luckily, they're already
1: missing two others. Yeah, other starters.
2: we we heard luckily today that he'll only miss about three to five weeks, and you know at first there was real concern, you know, on Twitter mainly that um, that he could be out for the season. He went down; it, it did not look good. He goes out in uh, on a wheelchair, um, but uh, but still, yeah, I mean Brooklyn. Um, you know, they just looked really competent. They had a kind of bad shot at the end. You know, it really looked like in those situations where Katie and Kyrie are out, um, some players are overstretched. And Joe Harris certainly looked like he was overstretched with that, you know, sort of, you know, he looked like he, he was going to be the kind of like Kyrie or, you know, sort of Kobe type player to get the ball on the inbounds, take it one-on-one and, you know, hit kind of like a, you know, miracle um three-pointer um and he just didn't look the, the the part for that
0: yeah i mean the the nets as you said they've been a ton of fun they looked extremely crisp that's the word that i used on twitter their first night they just yeah. they showed no rust kyrie and katie they were sharp they were knocking down shots so that's been super impressive and i think I mean, I think the loss of Dinwiddie will matter. You know, everyone seemed to be in the perfect role, right? Karis Levert would just come in and just not pass the ball for like three straight (laughs) possessions because he was just attacking one-on-one and abusing Preyton Peyton Pritchard you know like but obviously that situation might have to evolve now that Dinwiddie is out but yeah I think something I think I mentioned this in our conversation something I took for granted was just how deep they were I heard other writers talking about that and and they really are a deep team especially in a season where I think depth will be extremely important and you know I mean they've got Karis LeVert they've got Torian Prince they've got Timothy Luau Cabaret, they've got Bruce Brown, who wasn't even playing before the Dinwiddie injury, who's a guy who's good on defense, who's like a pretty good playmaker, uh, energy guy, you know, he wasn't even seeing minutes. So, um, you know, they've got, I don't know, I don't know. Um, So, I mean, I just think that their depth is huge. And obviously, just the top end talent of Kyrie and KD um, is really important. And Kyle, you were saying that uh, you kind of want to jump into like early season variants and early season surprises, which is like generally what we're talking about today. Obviously, the Nets kind of surprise us all, even though if you look at their roster, you're like, oh, yeah, duh, they have KD and Kyrie and a bunch of depth. No wonder this team is going to be good in the regular season. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned Kyrie being what is he the best fantasy player right now, according to Yahoo yep. um, and and other fantasy and. Real NBA surprises, I think, have similarities to the Nets in that the Hawks are another extremely deep team, um, and and uh, Trey Young has looked really good at the beginning of the season.
2: I mean, the first thought I had watching the Nets was that um, they look like a team that's already coherent, and they look like they're playing to prove something too. Uh, you know, like um, it it really felt like KD and Kyrie were really announcing that they're back, and I also put that in pretty stark contrast to that first Lakers game against the Clippers, where it really looked like they just didn't care. They're just going to kind of like, they're going to get their rings. They're going to come out. They're going to, you know, play a basketball game. It looked like they really turned it on in the, the second quarter and we're, we're kind of like it, you could see a noticeable difference between their start in the second quarter. And I you almost wondered if they were like, we're just going to like punch them in the mouth. We're going to, you know, get them to back down and then we're going to run away with this. And it didn't quite work that way. And but then it also didn't seem like they were particularly distressed by the fact that it didn't work. You know, they kind of went back to the, this um, really kind of low energy mode um, and I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm not too worried about them yet, even though they lost that one, even though they lost last night to the um, to the Blazers. You know, um, I think that we have still got a lot to see. And, you know, all of this kind of fits into that variance conversation where, you know, the the nets are probably a little bit better um looking a little bit better than they actually are and the lakers are probably looking a little bit worse than they actually are Um, especially when we talk about like how the game changes when you get to the playoffs which is just obviously so far away right now
1: yeah i think the lakers may have a little problem at the five maybe um gasol's looked shaky though he was great when ad was out um he picked up all of those uh big man assists that were getting spread around but
2: um he had a historic game. I can't remember what the, you know, what the sort of stats and info was on it, but that game where he, you know, where he has the, the, the three, three pointers, 12 points, seven rebounds, eight assists and right. four blocks was yeah. the first time in NBA history that someone had done that on whatever minutes he had. He had like 21. 21 yeah. I think yeah. It, yeah, it was a
1: very short amount. Um, Uh, Yeah, but he played great um, in in, in that role. Um, It was a little worrisome to see uh, Montrezl just get abused, though, um, at the end of that Trailblazers game. They went at him over and over and over again, and it's an obvious hole. I
2: can't – I mean, I have to believe
1: other teams are going to do this.
2: I mean, at a certain point, you just figure that they're going to go to that AD at the five that they had to – you know, finally up to ends last year. To. It can't be yeah. Montrezl out there at the yeah. five.
1: It's been the second half of the fourth quarter, but it's, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big hole. Everything they were saying about him on the Clippers is, is very much uh, obviously true on the Lakers
0: yeah i'm not sure how much anyone is like relying on us for fantasy advice but i think an intersection of the real nba and the fantasy nbas and like the lakers right you said the the lakers look maybe a bit worse than they actually are and the and the nets look a bit better and i think part of the reason that that's the case is because Kyrie and KD have been out for so long that they're like, you know, they're chomping at the bit to play. They they want to yeah. prove themselves. They want to make a statement early on. So they're, you know, they're raring to go. They're looking great in fantasy. They're making all their shots. Whereas like AD and LeBron, they just came back uh, from winning a title, a long playoff run in the bubble. Um, I think uh, what when the, the Lakers in their second game, I think they closed out the game without LeBron even coming back in the game. Um, you know, I think in the first game, they said LeBron's trainer and Vogel decided not to put him back in because of like some sort of pseudo minutes limit. So you can see in ways in which like they're sort of slow playing the season a bit. And and I don't know how much, how drastically that's affecting either LeBron or AD's fantasy impact. I mean, I think they're both good enough to still have like major impact, but there probably will be some just sort of like random, you know, accumulation of stat decline there uh, when they're doing that.
1: Well, and, and just talking about variants, um, you, you know, were, so we're going to see variance in real games, just depending on who's out in the short term for rest or other reasons. And we're going to see it across all of the teams. So there's going to be all kinds of variants because of this in fantasy and in real outcomes, simply based on who plays. Like Kyle and I had a matchup last week in scorekeeper in our fantasy league and much of that outcome was based on how many games were played and who was out and that sort of stuff. Like it, it, um, it's affecting both real and fantasy here. Um, and I want to make one observation because we've talked about it last season on the pod too. We, one of the places you see variants uh, on either side, real NBA, fantasy NBA is at the beginning of the season. One of the other places you see it is coming out of the all-star break. That is, whenever there's been a break, there's always going to be more variance when the teams come back. Um, Then you just sort of, you know, there's not a lot you can do about it. You just play through it.
0: Yep. And there's been, I was reading in the athletic today, a Seth Partnow piece about there being more wire to wire blowouts uh, early on in the season, I think about 12% of games. So that's another thing that's affecting, you know, potentially minutes distribution and production between some of the players. And like you're saying early in the season, there's high variance, there's weird outcomes, a COVID season with people being out because of COVID protocols, obviously going to factor into that. So there's a huge, there are, there are a number of elements that are like factoring yeah. into that
1: and, were there other reasons that he for the blowouts?
0: I think uh obviously like covid, shortened season, shortened right. off season and okay. then obviously the three point the 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 three point shot and the pace of play. Just everyone's playing really fast and shooting a ton of threes, so yeah. I think leads generally have haven't been as secure over the past couple of years. Teams right. that are like in the upper echelon of like historical uh, regular season dominance haven't done as well in the playoffs in recent years for the same reason, I think. So there are a number, I think the the pace and the three-point uh, line are the main like basketball reasons outside of COVID.
1: Right. right. Interesting. Yeah. I hadn't, I hadn't thought, how much faster is the pace uh, this <laughs> season than last? Do we know?
0: I don't yeah. know exactly. Yeah.
1: I was just curious.
0: But yeah, but this is another thing I want to mention. So a couple of my teams, obviously I'm from Miami. I'm a Heat fan. I'm a big Uh, Trey Young fan, a big Steph Curry fan. And so we mentioned a couple of those at the outset. And so I want to talk about the Hawks because I think the Hawks fit uh, in that conversation of having a deep team as well. And I just think they're going to beat bad teams pretty easily. They took care of the Pistons last night. They beat the Bulls pretty handily. And so, yeah, I'm just wondering, I don't know if any of you have had a chance to catch the Hawks games, um, see how they're playing. And yeah, if you had any thoughts about like not only their depth, but what that bottom of the East is going to look like and the surprise teams in the East.
1: I mean, I think they really raised their floor with some of their free agent pickups, you know, just having Gal- galinari has been out, but like having a player like him there, having Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, at the two and even the way he, you know, uh, Kevin Herders responded pretty well to that. Herders had some good games. I worried about what that would do with him. And then Rondo, <laughs> Rondo looked great. Um, and so I think they made some solid, solid moves, you know, and we haven't seen, so we haven't uh, I can't, has Gallo played at all? I can't even remember, he, but we haven't seen him He played Dunn. in the
0: first game and then Is hasn't what, played in okay. the next two, yeah. So,
1: but we haven't seen Chris Dunn yet. We haven't seen their uh, draft pick, who I'm kind of excited to see, a yeah, yeah. Um You know, there's still some guys to come here. Collins, uh, in terms of disappointment, like, he's been a little disappointing, I think. Um, but the rest of these guys, like, they're playing and they're playing hard and they look like they're having fun reddish coming out like all all of this like they're a fun fun team
0: yeah i really like what you said at the beginning that they really raised their floor with like i think uh this has been written by a number of people but they just traded out a lot of incompetent minutes for some really competent minutes with the the people that they picked up and i just think you saw it in a game last night like trey young i I texted this in our group chat trey young is sort of like short Uh, James Harden at this point he got he was like 15 from the 15 15 for 15 from the free throw line he got fouled on like at least one three-pointer you know he's getting guys on his back and jumping into them he's just like drawing fouls with the same sort of underneath the arm move so I mean he didn't even really shoot the ball well but he got to the free throw line so much and he's an 86% free throw shooter last year that like he was able to control the game in that way and so Yeah, I just think that between Trey Young's like ability to get to the free throw line and get easy points and kind of settle them on offense and then just like the the shooting of Bogdanovich is like a huge, as you pointed out, Herder has been playing really well. Reddish has looked good in in moments. Hunter has looked good. They just seem to be just so much more competent and together. And then Rondo, like they're just they just have adults in the room now. Rondo came in. He was knocking down deep threes last night. He was he. I think they went on like uh, they they were like plus seventeen in a short burst that he played there in the second half. So I just think that like th- I think the encouraging thing, as you said, okongu hasn't played. Capella was played his first game last yeah. night, and. um and uh, Gallinari has missed two games, and yet they're still fine. They're still three and nos. I mean, I just think that like that's the indication of a of a pretty good team
1: there's a whole different demeanor to the team too i think like all of the things you just said collectively are leading to that point like they're just carrying themselves in a different way they're approaching the game differently uh they look like an entirely different team than last year and trey young is um i was just checking he's the number nine player on yahoo like we all expected him to be good top 30 at least I don't know if I expected him to be top 10 and shooting 53% from the field, 91 from the line, that's pretty good. And he might not come down that far from those numbers.
0: Yeah. He's not turning the ball over a lot either this year, which is, I think one of the like fantasy impacts potentially of him having better players around him. Herder is taking more responsibility in the second unit and also doing a bit more playmaking next to, next to him. Bogdanovich is obviously doing a little bit of playmaking, but another moment just from like the game I was watching last night, like there, I was listening to the, the Danny LaRue and Nate Duncan cast and, and, and Trey drove into like a crowd of people, got a turnover. Actually, I think they kept the possession. And and uh Nate Duncan noticed that like he had he missed uh Solomon Hill open in the corner and Solomon Hill walked over to him and said something to him said something to him about it, and then two plays later he hit Solomon Hill in the corner. And just nice. like having a veteran on the team who's willing to say, Yo, what are you doing? Stop driving into three people, hit me in the corner. Yeah. I think that should help them. And I mean I think yeah. I think Trey Young is really good and I think sometimes he gets he gets downplayed because how bad he is on defense. And I think there's real questions about his defense, his effort on defense and the Hawks defense as a whole. But I, I think, I think this season will like tell us like how much he is committed to winning, how much, you know, he is willing to take advice from guys like Solomon Hill and Rajon Rondo about, you know, when to make the right play and when to be aggressive and things like that.
1: Yeah, I think just I think having been, Rondo in those young guys' ears is going to help. Like all of those guards are going to be listening to everything he says. Um, I, I think that's going to change stuff. And and just to follow up on your Trey Young and defense, looking at his stats, zero blocks, zero steals. Um, so that's not there, but Capella is going to bring it. Chris Dunn in his minutes is is going to, you know, hawk that um the, the one on the opposing team, Hunter's bringing some defensive intensity uh, and Bogdan, like not the greatest defensive player, but he's still going to bring it. There's some defensive energy there that I haven't seen
2: before. And according to basketball reference, while Trey is ranked second to last in defense right now, he's, <laughs> he's still the overall win share leader. Because he has, yeah, because he has um, 0.1, 0.9 offensive win shares right now, um, which puts him at 0.9 total win shares with his zero defensive win shares, um, which makes him the the win share leader um, over James Harden. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, he just he I'm I'm looking up right now, his true shooting percentage, it's going to be something off the charts. He's has a 73% true shooting percentage, like he's just getting to the free throw <laughs> line so much and making threes like it's just ridiculous. If that continues, there's, he's like a top eight offensive player, which I don't know if I expect it to continue at that rate. But like, that's what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, and then another, there are a couple teams that have been surprising in the East. You've got the Hawks. We already mentioned the Cavs, um, and, and the magic, the Orlando magic, who will probably be in conversation for the eight to 10 seed until the day that I die. Uh, Cause <laughs> that's just what they do every year. We all come in saying, this is the year they're going to tank, or this is the year they need to tank, or this is the year that they fall off. And then, you know, whoever's the coach kind of just cobbles it together with duct tape and then they're right there in the conversation.
1: Orlando's a weird weird team. Like they don't have many players. <laughs> I mean, Isaac's out. Um, you know, their backup five is Kem Birch, who's been trying like uh, you know, Bamba's out kind of indefinitely. Um, you know, I picked up their backup PG, rookie Cole Anthony against my better judgment. Um He's good. Uh,
0: I think I don't know what his shooting percentage who, is going to be, else but is he's getting good.
1: the minutes there like nobody else is getting like, he, that's why he's I picked good. him up.
0: Like, he's, he's, the be- he's the best backup point guard on the <laughs> roster. He's the best ball handler, yeah. like outside of faults like, but I mean,
1: I mean, they're starting Ennis if he gets healthy at the three. That's how bad this team is.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're 3-0 right now. Yeah, (laughs) they're 3-0 right now. (laughs) They they beat the Heat in opening night, and then they beat the Wizards twice, so I don't know. They should get, like, maybe half a win for those two Wizards victories. But um, I just think that, like, I think there's a couple things happening. A, the... Cole Anthony is really solid yep. and Okiki is really solid they're, they just yep. came in ready to play Okiki obviously had like a year to kind of watch practices and stuff since he was injured last year um, and they just know what to do like they're not lost Cole Anthony is a very skilled player like my only question with him was like athleticism and stuff but yeah. he seems pretty quick he seems pretty athletic he's not like super big but he's able to get a shot off he can get to the he basket he gets to his
1: spots like he knows where to be he gets to the those spots and he always gets a shot off like it, it's not a problem at all I thought he might struggle with that but yeah. I didn't see it at all
0: and then the big thing for them has been Markel Fultz uh who right. obviously is like fantasy relevant for his play um Kyle any thoughts on Markel Fultz or how you your hopes for Markel Fultz for the season
2: you know um I'm wishing for him to do well uh as you know, I'm a Sixers fan and watching him do well and seeing the needs that the Sixers continue to have, um, it's always a little bittersweet. Um, But I actually haven't had a chance to watch him yet. Um, I've only really been able to keep track of the, uh, you know, the stats piling up. um, And, you know, he got kept in our league, I believe. Um, Yeah this year. Um, so he, he wasn't really on my radar as someone who I could pick up. And so, um, you know, that's a, you know, that's a good sign for him, though, you know, when people are shelling out money um, in advance for you, um, you, you know, you really turned a corner
0: yeah and terrence ross was on the waiver wire is no longer on the waiver wire i think he's on uh danielle's team sweet sweet yeah. fantasy oh dude, did uh, he get
2: on the 50, waiver
1: wire he's a top league? 50 guy this year
0: yeah i have him in a
2: couple other leagues i mean there have been some pretty crazy drops this year i mean maybe now is a good time to talk about a couple of those because you know before the season even started Um, we had one of the teams drop Darius Garland and I knew that people weren't high on Garland. um, But I still, you know, in a 14 team league, I thought immediately that that was a mistake. Uh, It was only because of my team's construction at the time. That's why I I left him out there too. (laughs) Yeah. At the time I really felt like I didn't need to make any moves and I really just needed to see who was on my team before I did anything. Yeah. Um, And I wish that I had felt, I wish I had known then what I know now and really should have known then, which is that like, jay crowder wasn't a good fit for me i had never really believed his fit in in phoenix in part because i think that what happened in miami last year was special i think it was special for a lot of different players um and you know heat culture the miami system um really um you know gives people a place and and jay crowder has has thrived in those situations throughout his career he thrived in boston he thrived in in miami um And it was weird to me like he even i consider you know the jazz to be um you know a a very well-run organization and to have you know a really great team scheme and he never really took off there and kind of similarly i feel like they have good coaching and they have a good um you know player development and good culture in um in uh memphis never really took off there. And so I just wondered if, if he was, you know, basically one of the, what it was, one of his problems was that he really needed some people to take some of the pressure off of him. And he's just not getting that at these other places. And I look around at Phoenix and I just I don't think there's enough gravity around him to really make him, you know, kind of like put him in that kind of heat situation. Anyway, he would have been the only drop for someone like Garland. And, uh, right. and then you don't get in on it. And then it's just crazy because then Garland has three games that puts him as the eighth, eighth ranked player in Yahoo. And you're not going to see him the whole season probably now. Oh, yeah. not now. And and the person who
1: picked him up had him last year, so knows his game. I'm curious about Garland. Do, do you think the the that it was there were enough reasons to know he was going to be pretty good? before this happened and the one detail i want to bring up he was one of those guys that happens every season they come out and they're like so and so is in such great shape so and so put on 15 pounds of muscle so and so put on 20 pounds of muscle whatever it is and you see a lot of those guys pop it doesn't always happen
2: but it happened here you know i think the biggest comparison is actually somebody who just got injured and it's spencer dinwiddie you know dinwiddie we watched in his early career in Detroit and he just didn't move well. And you knew that they drafted for some real potential. And I actually had really high hopes for him. And I thought they got a steal at like the 30th pick or whatever he was that year. Um, But it just never panned out. And it was because he never really got that athleticism back, you know, in his travels in Detroit and Chicago until he got to the nets. And once he got, some speed and some agility back all the other parts of his game started to like lock into place and i think like you know garland similarly got injured in college you know and he comes into the nba and misses significant time and when he comes back he doesn't look right people start to question whether the pick really made sense in the first place um and yeah, then, all there. you know, he, he gets back to full health and all of a sudden he starts to show the reason why he was, you know, a, I think he was a consensus lottery pick when he came out and why he was that. Yeah,
1: yeah, he was. And, and that all makes sense. I think the bubble break was really good to Darius Garland.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the Cavs, and the Cavs are also 3-0. and I haven't really watched the Cavs, so I'm glad you Nobody all Nobody has. Are, <laughs> I'm glad you all <laughs> are taking the, the brunt of this conversation. Actually, but. I have. Um, I, I did. I watched the
2: game when they played the Pistons, and um, it was t- tough to judge at the time because, you know, at first I'm attributing the Cavs' success to, you know, the poor play that is the Pistons right now. Um no, but Garland's but then been good. but then the, the Cavs are three Sexton. and Sexton's been good. And they, they beat Philly. Um and you know granted Embiid was out for that game and I you know when you're playing against a team that has both Andre Drummond and JaVale McGee and you're missing, you know, your primary center and you're having to run out um a world champion but a quite aged um, <laughs> Dwight Howard, you know, like you're He's really good for
1: 12 minutes.
2: Yeah, I mean that was the thing. I, was re- I, I actually ran him out that night as a, as a, no. as, a as a streamer play, <laughs> and I I really expected him to get more than the like 18 minutes or whatever, or it's even less. It's like I
1: was I was a touch a fearful of your move because you were playing against me. We were super close in rebounds. I was like, crap, Howard could go for a dozen rebounds tonight in this situation. Luckily for me, he didn't. But, didn't pan uh, out. No. Yeah.
0: yeah, don't forget JaVale McGee, multi-time champion, also. So, but the (laughs) Cavs, the Cavs are great, both, I think a great story right now, real fantasy and I mean, real NBA and fantasy NBA, because I mean, they've got the sex land backcourt, great nickname there. Um, Both of them, (laughs) both of them are playing well and both of them are playing well in ways that are useful, both in the real and fantasy NBA. Um, And also Kevin Love is injured. So Larry Nance is doing things. He's finally released
1: from his purgatory.
0: And Andre Drummond is playing with a lot of energy and force right now. So I mean, they just have a lot of guys who are playing well, and that doesn't even include Isaac Okoro, who's been injured the past couple games, but looks pretty good in his first game. They he, they got a walk off win because of him.
2: And Kevin Quebec Porter Gray, Jr., who you know is getting it's a little concerning. Is he still ING now- still or INJ? Yeah, so he's been out with, I mean, it's really nebulous, um, personal reasons, you know, I picked him up and put him, uh, you know, when he got his INJ tag, I picked him up and put him on my, you know, injured reserve, because I'd had him earlier in the season, then dropped him before he had it, Um, like, I still kind of believe, but it's getting really yeah it's it's murky what's going on there uh you know he had those those gun charges um which ended up being dropped because they they happened to be i think it was like a girlfriend's gun and she had a license for it and everything and so the charges were dropped um but then you know bickerstaff says that that um kpj is part of the team's future um but that they're going that they have a plan and that they're going to get him back in you know into working out with the team in accordance with that plan but then he just hasn't even been with the team and you know we're just not yeah, getting really odd. any news out about it at all. So, um, you know, Jalen, I know that you watched a fair amount of him last year, and you know, you you thought that he really, um, you know, he looked. I, if I remember correctly, I thought that you said that he was looking better than both Sexton and Garland, which maybe is very different now with how well they're playing at the beginning of the season. But um, what do you? Yeah,
0: saying? I mean, I again, I, like I said, I haven't watched the Cavs much, but last year just Garland didn't have the the requisite athleticism to have a huge impact. Impact on the court he couldn't get by anyone Um, you know he had to rely on all his like floaters and step backs and really quick you know high difficulty shots to really get a shot off and it seems like as you as you all are saying the athleticism is coming back there and he's able to get to cleaner looks right now and I just thought like I think really what we're doing or what I was doing was projecting right like I think Sexton is just a great scorer right like he's just a go-go gadget you know just put the batteries in and he's just zooming all over the court, but you don't really, that's not really a style of play that you necessarily want for your, from your primary ball handler. Like I think about someone like Zach Levine, who, when he drives, he's just trying to putting his head down, trying to get all the way to the rim or just stop on a dime and pull up for a shot. And he's not really a great playmaker. And so there's a little bit of that with Colin Sexton. And I saw a tweet online. Someone was saying that um, his, um, his percentage, uh, his points assisted or the percentage of his points that was assisted was up like 10% this year. So essentially the Cavs recognize that he's a play finisher, not a play starter. So if if Colin Colin Sexton is going to be a play finisher, then he's going to score and score efficiently, right? The three-point shot came around at the end of his rookie season and it stayed. And I think there was always reason to suspect it was going to stay. So I think, I mean, I think he's probably going to be at worst like lou williams right he's gonna be lou williams efficient gonna come in can give you 18 to 20 on any night and maybe he can be more than that right like maybe you can figure out how to do some things on the defensive end so i just figured that's what i kind of knew what he was going to be and projecting for porter jr i thought he's the biggest player of the bunch um he has the most defensive upside because of that size he has the easiest time like creating the diff creating looks for himself and like with projection with improvement, you know, that ability should translate, you know, like he, he, he's not James Harden. He doesn't necessarily play like James Harden, but that's been the comp that people have used the step backs, the ability to create space, the Euro steps. Like I just think all of that was what was enticing me and presumably enticing other people. So before we jump to like other surprising teams, I think we, we've got the Warriors and the Clippers to talk about. You were, you mentioned Garland was picked up in success story, I'm wondering if they're like either option. We can, I'll just name a few situations, right? So we've got injuries to John Morant. We've got an injury to Towns, two players who like were kept or, well, John Morant was kept, Towns was drafted and who we expect a lot from who are out right now, but then we've got players like MPJ and Keldon Johnson, who I kept MPJ and picked up Keldon Johnson, who both are kind of in that like surprise potential breakout candidate and Keldon Johnson is breaking out and MPJ is just kind of doing what he did last year. And I guess I don't want to give away my fantasy secrets, but I'm getting a bit nervous about MPJ. Um, Hold, hold. Like he's, he's fine. Like he's averaging, <laughs> he's averaging 16 points uh, two assist 1.3 steals, 1.3 blocks and 5.7 rebounds. Like he's putting up numbers. Like it's nothing. So what but.
1: are you worried about?
0: But the thing is that like <laughs> if you watch him play like they're playing the the Rockets last night and James Harden, he fouled James Harden twice on three pointers and James Harden split the pick and roll another two or three times with him involved with it. And every time he does something, the cameraman pans over to Michael Malone and he's like got his head in his hands or he, <laughs> he's making some face. So I'm just kind of afraid that uh, Galen, that's you, something that's going to happen. If next. you were the
2: Nuggets, would you trade him right now for James Harden?
0: Probably like, I think if I'm being completely honest, I'm a bit worried that he can't be what we all hope for him if he doesn't get more of his athleticism back. Like, he still just kind of doesn't really move super well. His feet,
1: he had that. Remember when he was coming back and then he had drop foot as a ancillary injury to the the originating injuries? So, for that reason, yeah, I would. I would like in those instances you were mentioning. Like, isn't it his feet? Like, I I think he recognizes it and his body just can't do it.
2: I think I I would do it even if he were great. I mean, just because I don't know if you're going to have another chance in this generation to win an NBA title. And if you brought James Harden in, I think that you were immediately a contender. You know, and, yeah. and, and I don't mean like the way that the Nuggets are a contender now, like in the way that, you know, maybe if several players get injured and they're like, you know, all kinds of flukes happen that you might win a title. I mean, you might a harsh actually. diss on the
1: Nuggets, Kyle.
2: That's harsh. It's just true, though. <laughs> does, does anyone really think that they're going to beat I'm the Clippers again? I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying it's yeah. harsh. <laughs> they will not be beating the Clippers again this year with Ibaka on the team and, and you know, with with the other moves that they made this offseason and the way that Paul George is playing right now yeah. they won't beat the lakers um unless the lakers are you know have significant injuries and but you bring in James Harden and they are formidable who brings the ball up harden or Jamal Murray does it matter i mean this is what we <laughs> yeah. yeah this yeah, is what doesn't. we asked Red about bone? the Remember, remember <laughs> when people used to ask that about the Warriors? Like who's going to, who's going to bring the ball up? Like all these players need the ball. Like it, it doesn't matter. You know, sometimes
0: it matters. I'll say this, for
2: instance,
0: (laughs) Harden looks like he's like Harden's running and the Rockets are running more pick and rolls. Uh, The the Harden and Wood pick and roll combination looks good. So it's like it seems like there's a willingness from Harden to play more of like traditional basketball rather than just straight up ISO Harden ball. And if he's going to do that, if you can get commitment from James Harden to play NBA basketball instead of Harden ball. I mean, I don't really think there's a whole lot to lose for the Nuggets, right? Except that maybe they get expensive, but like they've got they've got um, Jokic and Murray under contract, you know. Uh, like they just the 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 situation is ripe for them, right? Like I just feel like they've got the guys that they need under contract for a long time, and so adding Harden like it's not really that much of a risk, right? What do they go back to being like what they already are, or something slightly worse, right?
2: And you might be wondering at this point, does that mean that I also want the Sixers to trade Ben Simmons for him? And I I do have an answer to that now. Um, If the the Rockets would take Ben Simmons straight up, which I think that they should, uh, you know, straight up, no picks, no other players, you know, maybe other like salary matching as you need it. But that's it. You get Ben Simmons and that's it. I think with the cost savings that they have and the overall talent that they would be bringing in from Simmons, that that's enough. And if the Sixers can get that trade, sure, you do it. Yeah, you yeah. Do, you do it. But there's no way that you trade Ben Simmons and you give up a bunch of picks. It's it's nonsense. Harden's too. You know, Harden's starting the downward trend of his career, and you know, yeah, Simmons I mean, is going to be awesome.
0: Still. This is this is the thing. I would really like James Harden to get traded because I'm tired of being bullied by people on the internet who are constantly telling me Harden is just is averaging like 65% true shooting percentage after being out in the club for six straight days. It's like, I know how good James Harden is like to everyone saying you trade everything for James Harden. I know how good he is. I believe I have no doubts about how good he is. But Is he going to commit to playing non-ISO-everything basketball? Is he going to commit to, like, the defensive end and winning? And also, here's a question I'd like to ask these people. If you trade for Harden, do you immediately become the championship favorite?
1: Well, aren't your questions exactly why nobody has traded for him yet? I mean, people don't believe that will actually happen,
0: right? Yeah, I guess all I'm saying is, like, I know how good Harden is. You don't need to tell me that. But stop <laughs> sure. acting like I'm not, I don't have eyes. Like reality right. hasn't been reality for the past 5 to 7 years. He's come up short in the playoffs in multiple times
1: in multiple ways.
0: <laughs> in multiple ways. Like it's like we I Reality happened. Stop trying yeah. to tell me that reality didn't happen.
1: We know that isn't winning basketball as much as Houston wants to write the post playoff letters about how they should have won. We know it's not winning basketball. And this comes back to variance and variability that, you know, we've been talking about this whole pod. That's why they lost with that situation. It's a shaky build, so to speak, for a real NBA team.
0: And this is this is cherry picking. But in the game that Harden scored 44 points and had 17 assists, he turned the ball over on the last play (laughs) with like a semi indecisive play where he could have easily attacked in isolation or taken a shot or like done something that wouldn't turn the ball over. And like, yeah, it's just one play. It's a regular season game. It's his first game back. But like. I mean, how does that not track with what we've seen in the past? Like, I I guess I just want people to be honest. And I I wonder, I truly do wonder if there's any way the Rockets actually get what they're asking for. Because, I mean, that's the reason he hasn't been traded. And I just find it hard to believe that the Rockets are actually going to get what they're asking for. I
1: I, I don't think they will. I think they're going to have to settle at some point. It feels like a lost cause, but I don't see this configuration
2: of the Rockets doing much. Um, That's the... That's yeah. the main reason why I keep saying I don't want to see Philly trade for harden. It's it's not a feels about... like a death
1: sentence for a franchise just in terms of
2: championship winning. It's an like, absurd that stops the path. Yeah. It's it's an absurd set of demands uh but then again we said that about anthony davis and then the lakers did it and then they won a championship and um you gotta be figuring that houston's like we think that we can do the same thing but the difference was you know ad was what 26 you know yeah so like that's just a really different scenario and i think the the rockets are are worse yeah
1: And the Lakers are obviously better this year, as are some other teams like the Rockets chances just got, you know, sliced here, not even in half like they got much, much worse.
0: Yeah. And the last thing on Harden, I don't know if the Nets need to do this, but if they give up a ton of picks for for. Harden. So what? They've got Kyrie, they've got Kyrie and KD there. They've got potentially an aging Harden who can drag them to the playoffs, and they've already bounced back from giving away all their picks before. So who cares? Boston has like <laughs> a treasure trove of picks. They can give away plenty. Like, I mean, I wouldn't do it necessarily just because like what happens is they lose a lot of their defense in a trade like that. But like. You know, Portland for CJ McCollum, like I said in our group text, sorry, CJ McCollum would be on the next flight out of there. Like, they're CJ McCollum,
1: the fourth ranked player in Yahoo right now.
0: They're the, the <laughs> Portland Trailblazers are already in their like mid-tier potentially downward spiral situation. So there's no reason for them not to trade because yeah they're already not overpaying, but they're already paying CJ and Dame a ton of money and they're about to get older. So it's just like why why not? Like I don't I don't understand it from their standpoint. But anyways, enough about James Harden. Let's jump <laughs> to the let's jump to the Warriors, my team who is going to make me lose hair uh, and go crazy this season. The proxy war It's about not happening Steph- yet. The proxy war about Steph Curry online is going to be insufferable. So what <laughs> what have y'all seen uh, those of you, if you've watched any of the Warriors?
1: I had some weird hope for Oubre and Wiggins and just sort of turning those guys loose and their historically bad shooting sort of um, took that illusion away from me very very quickly it was sort of stunning just how bad it is and it looks like we're watching last year's team again but with Steph doing okay out there but like he can't carry this team and they're not even as good as we might have projected them possibly being like it's it's a sad watch
2: I'm waiting to see Draymond you know before I completely write them off um I I I think that he has more to give than some of the naysayers um might expect um but man the warriors need a lot it it could be interesting because you know this is one of the things that you know about playmakers um you know they always said that like one of the the problems that the that the then Hornets had um, in New Orleans when they drafted Chris Paul was that the team got good so fast because they had competent playmaking that they couldn't ever get another good draft pick and fill out the team, you know? And so when you have somebody who can come in and, you know, just organize the offense, you know, take some of the pressure off of Steph and allow them to, to just like get people in the places where they need them. Um, you know, they could have, like orders of magnitude improvement Um, but they're going to need it in order to be that's all they have left
1: that's all that's Still coming back. And he's supposed to be back in a game or two, I think. And I could see that happening. But like, when you look <laughs> at the guys that are running out there right now who have been getting starts and then have just been like, what was that? Is that an actual professional NBA player with the Warriors right now? Or is that some guy they just ran out there? Like Pasha looked terrible. They're starting Juan Toscano Anderson tonight at the four. Like they're they're searching for anything.
2: Don't yeah talk. that I mean that's that's what I was say, you know saying it's a it's a lot to expect and it's highly unlikely yeah. but you know there are um, there's sort of system effects that can happen when you sure. you know when you bring in somebody of of you know draymond green's talent level over uh, a. uh he's a guy that can make that happen yeah he's somebody who could who could make wiggins and Ubre better and honestly both of them could show a lot more i mean it's it's kind of surprising how bad they've been
0: yeah yeah i mean the reality (laughs) is wiggins played better against the the bulls but the reality is they were two of the worst shooters in the NBA, uh, Wiggins and Ubre. Ubrey still hasn't made a shot that wasn't a dunk. So, I mean, <laughs> presumably that's not going to continue the entire season. You never know, but presumably that won't continue the entire still season. still possible. Um, so I think <laughs> they, those two players, as bad as they've been, they have to improve a little bit. And I think we're seeing some movement on the stubbornness of Steve Kerr. So I want to talk about this and w- my hope for a future episode is to bring in a guest who's more knowledgeable than us about talking about analyzing and evaluating coaches because I think Steve Kerr is one of the most frustrating good coaches in the NBA. Um, When he was out uh, dealing with his health issues, um, I think Mike Brown was coaching the team. uh, And one of the was it the second or first season they had KD and they're playing the jazz and Mike Brown ran Steph, KD pick and roll for like 10 straight plays. And everyone was like, would Steve Kerr ever do this? Would he do this? Like he'll, he'll turn to that in a pinch, but like he's really, really invested in his flow offense, his movement offense, his, you know, he's really invested in getting the ball movement, ball moving. And like, getting everyone shots and all of that is good. And it's interesting, you know, Zach Lowe always talks about a coach like Stan Van Gundy, who's picking the low hanging fruit of a team, shoring up the basics to give the team a certain baseline level. And Steve Kerr almost seems like a coach who's trying to pick the highest fruit all the time. And so when he was brought in earlier, um, uh, in the process when they set off the dynasty I feel like that quality of his allowed them to just explode right because all the low-hanging fruit had already been picked uh, by Mark Jackson that's maybe the only thing Mark Jackson can kind of do right um, and and maybe not even that well right and so and so like once he was once he like made those changes and got after some of that higher fruit like he just they just took off but like I mean, the James Wiseman, Steph Curry pick and roll needs to happen way more than it's happening right now. Um, Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins are not great players to have the ball like dribbling or holding the ball, waiting as Steph Curry runs off screens. They're not doing a good job at that at all. They look completely lost. And that's one of the ways that Draymond returning will like have a huge impact because he is good at that. And he's capable of like organizing people. And to be quite frank, he's going to yell at people. He's going to be like, (laughs) what the hell are you doing? I'm not giving you the ball. Go screen for Steph Curry. Like, (laughs) so I just think all those things will help. And I'm encouraged by the fact that Zach Lowe seemed to be like optimistic about their chances of still winding up in the play-in, as we said before, Kyle and I were kind of guessing they'd wind up in the play-in. So I think there's hope for them. Not much, but some.
2: As someone who drafted James Wiseman and thinks he was a steal of the draft at $2, um, I'm curious whether you think that he'll be able to be an effective pick-and-roll player this year.
0: I think he'll be able to be an effective pick-and-roll offensive player. Uh, I don't know how nuanced his pick and roll game is. Like, I don't know how well he'll be able to pass out of the pick and roll, whether it's, a, you know, out of the short roll. But I mean, he's just his size. He basically and... has
2: no assists on the season right now. Yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. It's something that I've noticed having him on my roster. So I was I was it, when I heard you talking about him getting into some pick and rolls, I was like, I don't know where, you know, if he's not getting any assists right now in any way, um, and he's having the ball a fair amount. Um, I mean, I think the
0: thing know, is, they're not really running that play very often. I don't right. know how many times they've ran it, but I don't think they've run it very often. And usually when they do, they get like a dunk out of it. I think they've gotten a couple dunks. I know he airballed on one of those plays. So, again, I'm not sure about his passing ball. Uh, but he might just not
1: need to pass them. Yeah. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking his also body and finishing around the rim. Like this is one of the things I think he's going to be truly elite at. He has such great body control and such length inside. He can do some things other big guys can't. And I think it allows him to finish the pick and roll in a way that not a lot of fives can.
0: Yeah. And as a, as a, like a long-term, you know, Prospect for your fantasy team, I would be more interested. If I were you, I think I'd be paying closer attention to his block numbers. Because so Nate Duncan's talked about this, like he says he doesn't believe he'll be like a dominant offensive player in the NBA. And I don't know if I necessarily believe that either, but if you watch him play, he's very lost on the defensive end. He's a super athlete. He blocked. Um, I forget who it was someone on the books but he came out of nowhere and blocked their shot but just his awareness like his he doesn't even like know that there are there are so many blocks he's not getting because he doesn't have those help instincts so I'd be more concerned of like how long is it going to take him to like get those help instincts and get those block shots and maybe his role like uh, shrinks a bit once Draymond comes back and so he, he's able to get those block shots but offensively like He's shooting the three right now. Right now, he's the Warriors best three point shooter, hilariously. Um, (laughs) I think that stroke should extend to the free throw line. So you've got a big who's going to be able to make threes. And I mean, you know, just naturally by the position he plays, he's probably going to have a high field goal percentage. So, I mean, I think you're right. That is definitely like a steal of the draft.
1: His, I, I just looked at his numbers. I hadn't been paying attention to him. He he is actually averaging one point three blocks a game. So four blocks in the three games, um, and a, a steal a game as well. Like these are pretty solid numbers. His field goal percentage is a little lower than I expected, at f- uh, forty seven. Um, but all of these numbers though. are yeah. just going to get better for him. Like yeah. this is definitely a solid steal in the draft, Kyle.
0: Yeah, yeah. He does take a lot of threes, and he likes. He likes to take the fall away jumper or like a long two instead of like bullying his way to the basket. they will take that out of him. Yeah. You would think, you would think, (laughs) um, any other thoughts on the warriors?
1: Um, they're really thin and I just don't see it happening for them.
0: Yeah, I think they'll be in the play in. That's my guess. Uh, they'll be in the play in and hopefully we get a few more explosive nights from Steph Curry. Yeah. That's yeah, the I mean, best you can hope for, I think.
2: Marquise Chris has done, you know, good things and you know you you like the sort of turnaround story for him, but it's a problem when Marquise chris um who people really wondered if he was going to stick in the league a year ago two years ago um when he gets injured and it's a big deal for them you know like that really that (laughs) that shows you where they're at you know yeah kevon looney's back in play
0: It's it's also a big deal when Kyle I mean uh, Michael you're joking about Juan Toscano Anderson starting. Juan Toscano Anderson is the best non Draymond power forward on their roster. Eric Pascal is not <laughs> a good defensive power forward. He's not a great he hasn't been great defensively. I think the idea of him being a great defender is more uh, Fiction—it's more potential than like production right now. So like right. the the thing about Juan Toscano-Anderson, he's not a great shooter, but he's got size and he just knows what's <laughs> yeah. happening. He has a feel for the game. He yep. understands their system. He understands the game. So like he's just a stabilizing presence in a way that these other guys aren't yet able to be
1: and he always brings energy you're at least getting that and you know i don't see it from Paschal. like he just seems lost
0: out there so yeah yeah completely agree yeah i've been saying he's like a he's a bench bully ball player eric paschal just put him on the put him in the second use it find a mismatch and let him go to work and i think that's kind of all he is right now um all right so we can close out with the clippers the most um you know the strangest team in the land who got uh, cracked by 51. Uh, The Mavericks boat raced them the other day. Um, So yeah, what do we make of the Clippers? They came out opening night. Paul George looked amazing. He was knocking in threes from everywhere. The Lakers kind of like, as we said before, didn't seem as focused. And then the Clippers got another win, beat the Nuggets pretty handily. They had Michael Malone ever scaring me saying, mpj is a small forward Kawhi is a small forward if he can't guard Kawhi, then he shouldn't be starting i'm not sure if that's really a rule we should go with because i think a lot of people would be out of starting jobs if that was the logic michael malone but sure um so yeah what what are y'all thoughts on the clippers
1: i am happy to say my prediction has been kind of right so far they've looked really shaky uh in the point guard position beverly and williams are a problem they need something else Kennard hasn't really been it morris is hurt that's a problem you, you know that nicholas batum has been a um, nice variance story there is, is a little bit of a surprise but uh, i'm worried for this clippers team i don't i don't see a good run as they currently look
0: yeah, Batum's on someone's roster in our fantasy league, and I'm kind of jealous. I think Danielle I, I kinda, got him. I have a soft spot for Batum. I I was always a I was a bit worried about the field goal percentage, but he's just giving you like steals and assists and rebounds right now, yeah, filling so up he, the line. Yeah, he's my kind of player. Yeah, I don't really know what to make of the the Clippers. I mean, they have Kawhi Leonard, and so I think they're going to be pretty good, and I think they'll wind up in the playoffs and will determine what their season was like based on the playoffs. Right. Um, Kennard seems like he's getting off to a slow start, but I mean, he, I think he's better than Shaman. He could do more off the dribble. Oh, definitely he, better than Shaman. He's more than just a shooter. So I, I think he should be able to fit in and find his groove there so he's yeah. looked a little
1: hesitant have you watched him much there yes. yeah
0: yeah you're right I, I I sense that I think he he passed up a bunch of shots in the first game kind of seemed to find his groove a little bit better in the second one and then you know the third one is the one they got blown out so right right yeah I mean yeah I guess we're we're wait and see on the Clippers until Kawhi gets back you know after getting elbowed by Serge Ibaka and before right. we before we close I just want to say a couple like. I just want to say a couple things about the rookies, right? Like the rookies in the, this year's draft were kind of downplayed the entire off season, the never ending off season that it was, and um, and or the never ending draft period, I should say. And I mean, I was certainly an Anthony Edwards skeptic, but like his athleticism plays. He looks like an athlete who fits into the NBA game. And he's been able to score. Not, I don't know if he's scoring efficiently, really. But I, I guess I've just been surprised by how how well his athleticism, a- athleticism is playing. He shot the Dirk one-legged fadeaway. Um, he's had a couple assists in a couple of these first games. So there seems to be more field than expected uh, as a passer. And another player, Tyrese Halliburton, is just... Yes. Um, like, I overpaid for him in the draft, certainly, but he just fits perfectly. Um, he, he knows his role. He seems he's been be- great there.
1: I really wish the Pistons would have taken him instead of killing Hayes. Maybe I'll change that answer in a couple of years, but not right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just, he's just getting steals. He's knocking down threes. He's getting assists. He's not damaging me in field goal percentage too much because he's not taking too many shots. He's just he's such he a be, shooter and he seems taking to be in the, the right perfect shots. role. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah um, and i think his role is just gonna grow there how are you feeling about lamello ball uh somebody we were both high on coming out of the draft
0: I think I'm chill. I'm, I'm pretty sanguine on LaMelo. Like I just think LaMelo walked into the league and was maybe like a top five passer in the league. The moment yeah. he walked in, that <laughs> yeah. translated in the preseason it's translated yep. in the regular season. Uh, Terry Rozier is off to a crazy start. He's going to make me look very bad. I'm not used to him shooting over like 39% from the field. But, right. um, But the dunk that he had on KD came from a laser from LaMelo Ball. One dribble, one-handed baseball pass on a line to Rozier. So I just think, I think the shooting nights are going to come and go, you know, he didn't score in his first game and then he was like three for six from three the next game. So I think it'll be up and down as a scorer, but like that playmaking is real and should open up his game in the future. Definitely. Definitely. Anyone you're looking for, Kyle? Uh, rookies or surprise players or anything else you want to mention
2: you know the only thing that i'll mention right now is that while we were recording uh the fantasy games for the night started and i gave you a gift jalen we're playing (laughs) against each other and i forgot to take a look at my lineup and somehow didn't put russell westbrook in so he's just on the bench just sitting there probably going to put up a bunch of uh, rebounds and assists and he's going to, he's going to miss a ton of shots and uh, maybe that part I'll be thankful about. But um, I think, (laughs) I think I just made you much more viable in both rebounds and assists and probably points too in, in our matchup. So, you know. um, Yeah.
0: It'll be bad if you suddenly win turnovers uh, and field goal percentage because of that. (laughs) But yeah, there's always a there's always a silver lining. There's always a silver lining. Uh, but all right, so I guess that will take us to the end. Uh, I want to give you all a fun fact before we sign off. Uh, Sun Kiss is the only orange soda with caffeine. Fun fact brought to you by Michael Kimball, uh, avid Sun Kiss drinker. Um, so yeah, we're signing off. We are turning off the Phantom Power. Cheers. ready 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 ready
1: ready 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 ready